0: Welcome to Giraffe Chat. This is episode number 137. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts, and joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher.
1: What's up, dude? Uh, Listener, I'd like you to go over to our Discord. I'd like you to type in Gen Chat. How many takes you think the intro just took for this episode? (laughs) Wow, it's a number bigger than one but smaller than (laughs) ten. And all will be one. Okay, all will be Uh, one. oh, Oh man. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I was going to give away a prize but um never mind. <laughs> Let's just move on. So, <laughs> anyway, I'll send my All Arena right. code to whoever gets it right first, my Arena code from the uh the pre-release. How about that? Sounds good. Before we jump into today's episode
0: we've got a long one here, so make sure you pause here, grab some snacks if you haven't already. This will be a good one to us uh, st- you know, maybe have your favorite drink or, or favorite snack around while you listen to it. But before we do all that, of course, our usual housekeeping. If you're not already in the Discord, check that out. It's the best place to be to chat with us and the rest of the Traficionado community and just kind of uh, share your new wins. We love to see who the first person to get a trophy on a new set is in the Discord. It's kind of like a running game in the Discord. So, you know, hey, maybe it's you this, this time around. So jump into the discord to share your trophy decks, any of your picks and what's the picks as as we're going into a new format. Those are pretty popular as well. And just uh, any other nonsense really that you've got on your mind. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft pod. Huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week. We really can't thank you all enough. Perks over there on the Patreon include things like our draft doctor series, stickers, show notes, our pre-show recordings, and our Draft Chaff Hero cards signed by us and sent to you. And you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash Draft Chaff
1: Pod. All right, on to our cracker Draft type thing. Ben, you've got a special one for us this week. What's up? I do. Uh, <laughs> this is pre-release weekend for all we One, yes. But this is also kind of pre-release weekend for the Draft Chaff Cube. Uh, this is going to be the first official... Draft Shaft Cube weekend. Uh, we've got eight people. We're all going to show up. We're all going to draft it. And other people have, have drafted it before, but uh, this is particularly exciting for us because we haven't participated in a full draft of the set yet. So before we get into all the cool new one stuff, uh, let's just run through a quick pack of the Draft shaft Cube. So first up, we've got Champion of Lamhold. Uh That's a three mana one one. Creatures that power less than her power can't block creatures you control. Uh, and then whenever another creature enters the battlefield, put a 1-1 counter on her. Great, great card. Uh, love this, it's it's very good. <laughs> There's a twin shot Sniper. That's not from too long ago in Kamigawa. Uh, that's the uh, the Goblin Archer. I always thought it was a monkey for some reason. I guess it is a goblin. It's an artifact goblin. Maybe that's why it looks like a monkey. Know, f- four mana, two, three, the, the one you can channel. It's the reach one, deals two, or channel it to deal two. Now we have some flicker themes in this set, so that could potentially be pretty good there. This is a Dismal Backwater, blue-black Gainland. Needletooth Tooth Raptor, uh, four mana two two Enrage. Whenever it's dealt damage, deal five to a creature an opponent controls. It is a four mana two two though, so there's a bit of cost to this. Uh, if you're in the Enrage deck in red green, then this is a this is a banger. Yeah, definitely one of the bigger
0: payoffs in that deck.
1: We've got Orzhov Guildgate, the black white gate uh, gates. Well, it's good. <laughs> Not going to say how good because I don't actually know yet, but you can definitely play gates. There's also is it Boilerworks, the uh, blue red bounce land. Ooh, I forgot. The cool thing about this cube is that I built it a while ago. I've been slowly adding cards to it ever since, so sometimes I forget the cool stuff that I put in here. Uh, I've got a nice foil Asylum Visitor here. That's the uh, 2 mana 3 one Vampire uh, at the beginning of each player's upkeep. If that player has no cards in hand, uh, draw a card and lose a life. And you can Madness this one, which goes very well in the random Madness and Discard themes in blue, black, and red. We've got a Temple of the Seat here, another blue-black land, uh, strictly better than the last one. Well, maybe not strictly. Uh, then the last blue black land, but this one scries one when it enters the battlefield. I'll take scry over gain any day. So uh, next up, we've got Skyblades Boon. That's uh, a weird aura from MH2. What, MH2 kind of, a, a lot of the cards outshadow the rest, right? Uh, grief, Solitude, these types. Uh, but this one, it's pretty sweet. One of the white, it's an aura, it enchants a creature. Uh, the creature gets 1 1 in flying for just two mana pretty good. Uh, And then you can pay two and a white to return it to its owner's hand uh, if it's in the battlefield or the graveyard. So strong aura.
0: Yeah, it definitely gets around all the kind of downsides of Auras typically where,
1: you know, you get two for one inherently. This kind of lets you get your card back. Mm -hmm. Next up, we've got Manor Gate. This is the uh, green ETB tapped gate and you choose another color and then it becomes that. So I don't know if you're going to force gates, (laughs) here's another one for you. You get two in your first pack. Next one's kind of a boring pick, but it's a good pick. It's Immolating Glare. This is back from a Battle for Zendikar, I think, or Oath of the Gatewatch. One of those. Yeah, one of those. Uh, One of the white destroy an attacking creature. Obviously, that's got to be an instant (laughs) because otherwise it wouldn't really work. So, yeah, a really good card. We've got the Underworld Cookbook. Uh, People technically, people tend to know this one as a a combo with Asmore, right? Asmorendicatastatakulikar? Something like that. No, no, no. I don't was, know. I was close. I got to practice she that. She is one. in the cube as well. She is. Uh, but this one, it's just a one man artifact. You can tap, discard a card, create a food, uh, and then t- pay for tap it, sack it, return a creature card from your graveyard to your hands. It's actually just a nice little value engine. Hmm. Discarding a card, I, I wonder if that could be good for any reason. It's almost like we got a big graveyard theme and madness, and who knows. We have Displace. Two in a blue, instant exile up the two target creatures you control, then return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's controls. Nice little flicker payoff. Uh, You get some good ETBs, you cast this on them, question mark, question mark, question mark, profit. Sounds about right. Two cards left in the pack. What are you on so far? Mm,
0: I kind of think I'm still eyeing up the champion of Lamholt. to be honest with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, counters is is really good. (laughs) I I probably am too. Uh, But our last two cards are bangers. We've got Sir Conrad the Grim, top end for a nice drain deck. Uh, A lot of vectors in our cube could use this, uh, but I mean, it's just a good value card. Uh, It does self-mill, which also a lot of vectors in our cube could use. Last but not least, Spell Twine. Uh, I, I I feel like it'll be hard for you to pass up taking this one. This is five and a blue sorcery, exile target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard, and target instant or sorcery card from an opponent's graveyard. Copy those cards, cast the copies, if able, without paying their mana cost, and then exile spell twine. So you just get to free cast the best thing in your graveyard and the best thing in your opponent's graveyard. Uh, There are some pretty good things to to free cast instant and sorcery wise. We're talking like 9, 10 mana instants and sorceries that we put in this cube because free casting is the blue red archetype. So that's uh, that's probably the vector you're looking to, to draft the most this weekend, right?
0: Well, yeah, I've so I've done a handful of playtest drafts and I have yet to figure this archetype out in terms of how to draft it. I know how to build the, like I know what cards I want in the deck, mm-hmm. but I can't quite tell. And and for the listener, if you're not aware, this is a 540 card cube. So there are cards in the cube that won't be opened in the draft. And so what I haven't been able to figure out with this deck in particular is when to take payoffs and when to take enablers. Mm-hmm. This is kind of an enabler and but we, you know, you still, I've, I've drafted a few versions of this deck where I had a bunch of enablers that I really appreciated, like a bunch of stuff that lets me free cast expensive spells, and then never saw expensive spells that I could put in my deck. So, yeah, there's a balance. This one's a tricky one to build and a tricky one to draft. And I think it would be pretty fun. I'd probably take the spell twine here. If I wasn't taking the spell twine, though, I think I'd, I would move off of champion of Lameholt for Sir Conrad as well, because Sir Conrad mm. is uniquely positioned in this cube to go in nearly
1: any deck that can play black Mm -hmm. yeah similarly i think the green gate is a pretty high pick uh, just because when it enters the battlefield you pick an additional color so a green x dual land where you get to pick yeah that's good even if it does easy be tapped all right on
0: to our teferi Tibble. this is roses and thorn style segment where ben and i share high and a low from the past week ben
1: what's up not too much uh it's been a busy week. Uh, we do have, like I mentioned, two sweet sets to play this weekend, so that's exciting. Uh, we're both pretty busy people, though, so I, I think the only pre-leases we're going to get to go to, uh, not individual ones on Friday or Saturday, but a two-headed giant one on Sunday, which is going to be pretty sweet. It's been a while since we've done two-headed giant. We're going to sweep it, obviously, or uh, have a lot of fun going o three. 3 <laughs> So either way, I guess we get to have fun, right? Yeah, that that's the plan. Uh, Today happened to be a rough day at school. I forgot my ID, uh, <laughs> which is not good, uh, given that my school's, you know, it's it's a good school. Like we, we run a tight ship. So um, I I managed to make it through the whole day without needing my ID, which also has my room key on it, because thankfully another uh, teacher shares a room with me and, and we I share an office with a few people. So I was always able to like sneak in behind someone or like catch the door at the right moment. Cause uh, it would have been, I don't know, I could have easily just gone to one of the secretaries and been like, hey, I forgot my stuff today. (laughs) But uh I'm I'm a new teacher to that district and uh I'm still trying to make a good impression. So uh I managed to just get through the whole thing. Also, uh a lot of people like it's a heavy emphasis, like you have to have your ID on at all times in my school. So um I was kind of like walking around with my my laptop in front of my chest so no one would notice. You know, when you said you forgot
0: your ID and that they run a tight ship, I kind of pictured like you walking in and there being a security guard who sees you every morning and then you walk in and you don't have your id on and you're like
1: whoa who do you think you are bud
0: but <laughs> like, just totally doesn't recognize you because your id is not with you
1: honestly that that could have happened except i had my heavy coat on this morning so <laughs> they wouldn't have been able to see it either way uh besides that it's just been it been busy you know lots of grading um we're, we're doing electrostatics now so that's a fun unit but i've got a lot of planning to do a lot of testing got to make sure that uh, everything works properly so uh anyway how's your birthday yeah, last week was my
0: birthday. It was pretty quiet. I'm not one to kind of make, uh, make a big splash about my birthday. I did watch, uh, I sat on my couch and I watched The Dark Knight for the 140th time. <laughs> if you're new to the show, that sounds like an exaggeration. If it you're isn't. not new to the show, that sounds like an exaggeration. It's not. Uh, I, have, <laughs> I have seen The Dark Knight 140 times. Yes, I've done the math on how many how many hours I've wasted watching that movie. That's why Days. I only really watch it Days, once right? a year.
1: Days, right? Maybe weeks. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I only really watch it once a year anymore, and that is on my birthday. So I did get to do that. Um, nice. That was fun. Um, yeah, I'll echo that you said. You know, we've got a couple of really fun formats. Hopefully, really fun formats to play this weekend. Um,
1: At I, least one of them is going to be really fun. I know that for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> uh, I'm very optimistic and also biased and partial to the, drafting the the Draft Cube, But I will be a, one. Should be good. I actually have like. Well, we'll get to it when we get to to the main topic here, but um, I think the name was, was done on purpose. Uh, I'll leave hmm. it at that for now. Um, also, so I've been really getting into pool or billiards lately, hmm. and uh, my building has a pool table in it, but for some reason that I cannot explain or find an answer to, they don't keep like pool balls and cue sticks around. So hmm. there's a table there, but nobody can use it. So the I just G-wall-o decided stuff. to buy my... What's that BYO stuff? I mean, it's not supposed to be, we pay an amenity fee. So like I should be able to use the <laughs> amenities, but yeah. Um, I just decided to buy my own stuff. So I got an stick. I got some pool balls, uh, nice. and hopefully I'll get to actually, you know, like play on my lunch breaks or whatever. Cause I work from home.
1: So sweet. Um, should be fun. (laughs) One of my questions on my last exam, uh, it involves uh, billiard balls hitting each other. And one of my students raises their hand and goes, Hey, Mr. Fisher, what's a B I L L. And I was like, I'm going to stop it right there. It's billiard. It's a ball. Don't worry about
0: it. That saddens me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> These screenagers, you know,
0: <laughs> right, right. Um, my table is that. I had less time and, and this is kind of embarrassing to admit on this show, but I had less time to review the set than I really wanted. Uh, it kind of in a weird way. Like the set was kind of spoiled ages ago.
1: Mm, and yeah. so I
0: just kind of like, didn't, I was like, oh, I've got time to look through all the spoilers. And then I didn't, and then suddenly it's here, and now I'm like, oh, we've got to do this. And and I didn't get as much time. I did get to look through the whole thing, but I, I didn't get as much time to kind of study all the cards as I would have liked. So It's almost like we got should be desensitized to the spoiler. A little bit, yeah. All right, on to our, well, your listener question this week. We want to hear your one questions, so jump in the Discord and drop those into the listener questions channel. Anything that comes out of this episode or anything you want to hear talked about in future episodes as All Will Be One is dropping, let us know in the Discord. With that, on to our main topic this week, and of course, this is the Phyrexia All Will Be One format breakdown. Spoiler alert, I think they called it All Will Be One because a lot of these vectors feel like they're the same.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. So before we get into some specific cards and some specific vectors, uh, we're going to talk about some of the main mechanics. So there's a few new ones, a few returning ones, and some of the kind of twists on old stuff. So, uh, Zach, do you want to kick us off with Toxic?
0: Sure. You know I'm a a fan of Infect, and (laughs) this isn't quite that. Toxic says players dealt combat damage by this creature also get... And poison counters. So toxic is one of those keywords that has a number associated with it. You'll see toxic one, toxic two. There's a toxic six in the set. And essentially when those creatures deal combat damage to players, the player will get that many poison counters. So if it's toxic one creature, they'll get one poison counter. This is a rework of Infect because it it doesn't work 100% the same way as Infect does. Infect also dealt damage to creatures in the form of minus one, minus one counters. And it would deal... It would give poison counters equal to their power. In this case, the power is kind of irrelevant with the number of uh, poison counters that the player gets. So that makes this kind of safer. You don't have to worry about like pump spells as much as you did with infect. That could kind of kill you out of nowhere. And it's a state-based effect, so it doesn't use the stack or anything. There's not, no effect going on on the stack with this. It just replaces the damage. Well, it doesn't even replace the damage. It's, it's dealt on top of the damage they deal with the player.
1: Yeah, it's almost like lifelink, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to think about it. So our next new mechanic is Corrupted. Uh, This is kind of like a keyworded phrase. Uh, As long as an opponent has three or more poison counters, dot, dot, dot. Or sometimes an ability will read activate only if an opponent has three or more poison counters. The key is an opponent has to have three or more poison counters for this. So this clearly works well with Toxic, right? Like you want to just get in, get those uh, first three poison counters. But then I guess you don't really care about the rest. I mean, three is a good amount of work, but I'm a little skeptical of how this all plays together. So for example, this doesn't actually play that well with proliferate, right? I mean, sure, you could like get one to hit in with a toxic creature and then proliferate your way up to three. But then all your other cards in your deck that are like proliferate or have some of their like value, some of their card, almost like card equity uh, in the proliferate, uh, section? <laughs> I don't know. I think you get what I'm saying, right? Uh, th- those cards that have uh, some of their value in the proliferate aspect of the card itself, uh, those get worse if your deck's payoff is trying to be corrupted, if your deck is built around the corrupted vector. So I don't, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical of uh, how these are all going to play together. I think these might appear to all be one, but maybe there's some... Some really deep niche vectors in here. This is one that I've been I've been puzzling over for a while I think we might have to see how this plays out in paper
0: Yeah, I think we will also see that I'm not sure that I agree with you that that proliferate doesn't play well with corrupted because I think The decks from what I've seen It looks like the vectors that are going to try to really capitalize on the corrupted thing will have other counters oil counters plus one plus one counters things like that that Mm. you're going to still get that proliferate value out of but it's true that the, the big corrupted decks, and we'll look at this when we get into the actual vector breakdowns, the The corrupted decks are not really going to care about killing your opponent with poison counters. They just want to hit that threshold of three. And then from there on, it's it's really just incidental value proliferating other, t-
1: other types of counters and things like that. I do have some good news. Uh, there's actually no plus one, plus one counters at all in this set uh, or minus one, minus one counters. I, I guess they did this to simplify the, I guess, load on the player to keep track of all these different things. So really the only time you'll need to keep track of counters, I mean, you could have like uh, oil counters that might give a thing plus one, plus one. We see a few things templated like that, and we'll talk about them even in this show. Um, But there's also, like we mentioned, the poison itself, or there'll be some loyalty counters floating around, too. So the next,
0: mm, I guess it's a new mechanic, but this run is another kind of play on an old mechanic, and it's called Formiridon. Hold on.
1: Try that again. It's called (laughs) for There we go.
0: (laughs) And this ability is another one that kind of, it's a play. It's kind of like corrupted in that it's, it's this word that means a thing. It it does the same thing every time, but essentially this is the alternative to living weapons. So when this equipment, we only see this on equipment cards. And when this equipment enters the battlefield, you create a two, two red rebel creature token and then attach the equipment to it. So every single card that has for on it, uh, is going to make a 2-2 red rebel. It's going to get, attach the equipment to that creature. And then it's an equipment, right? So if that creature dies, you still have the equipment fl- uh, sitting around that you can attach to other creatures in the future or move them at any time you like.
1: I like it. You know, it's kind of like card advantage. Uh It's functionally a two for one. I guess it depends on how the costing is to decide like if re-equipping is actually worth, maybe it's like a one and a half for one, just at, at base rate. But I don't know, maybe some of these suck and they're just like normal, like one cards. But uh, I mean, if you're if the equipment itself is worth playing and it's costed such that you get a reasonable body on the front end, this is good. Like this will help propel uh, a vector that sometimes struggles uh, a color combination like red, white uh, with late game reach.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of these tend to look like they do basically what you'd expect like a random creature to have. You know, there's I think there's one that's like a two-mana uh, equipment that ETBs makes the 2-2 two two and then gives it plus, plus one minus one. So you end up with a two-mana 3-1, hmm. which is just fine. But then I guess you can do the plus one minus one thing on another creature later. Yeah. A lot of them are pretty mundane like that in the common and uncommon slots.
1: Yeah. I like it. Now, next up here, we have proliferate. This one's coming back. Uh, this one reads, choose any number of permanents and or players, then give each another counter of each kind already there. So it plays out exactly like you'd expect. Uh, if you have a creature with an oil counter on it, an opponent with a poison counter on them and a planeswalker with a loyalty counter on them, uh, you proliferate and then you tick all those counters up by one. Nice. Uh, Now, clearly, you need counters for this to be any good. If you proliferate and you have no counters or nothing that you're actually going to be taking up, then you're missing out on, I mean, uh, probably a a good chunk of the the value of that card, right? Like, cards are likely costed to have proliferate tacked onto them, but for some mana value, right? Like, you're paying to get... I don't know, a card that has proliferate uh, versus the, the the kind of card you would get otherwise if it didn't have proliferate on it, right? You're probably paying a little, like one, one mana, two mana more. So if you're not getting that proliferate bonus out of it, you're probably better off just playing a different card instead.
0: Yeah, and there are some cards in this set which we'll talk about where Proliferate does seem to pretty much just be tacked on. It's not really any extra cost, and so obviously those are cards that that you'll just play even if you can't really maximize on the proliferation. But definitely be looking if you're if you're a deck that's trying to maximize the use of Proliferate. Don't forget you also need ways to put counters on things, and then we have a bunch of random sort of miscellaneous things we wanted to highlight here. They're not. I guess technically mechanics but they are aspects of the set that you should be aware of phyrexian mana is back phyrexian mana for our older players um, or newer players rather is uh, those little pips that have a phyrexian mana symbol with a given color and you can either pay that color or two life to to effectively pay for that cost so something to keep in mind we don't see this anywhere in the common or uncommon slots as far as i know we do see it in a handful of rare slash mythic slots and of course
1: we're familiar with a few already completed planeswalkers that we've seen this on recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a mana dork that you can tap. Uh, you pay two life to add a mana of any color, so it's kind of like adding Phyrexian mana. I think it's a mirror that taps for it. So that one's clever. But um, no, I, I believe the only actual Phyrexian mana costs are on the planeswalkers.
0: Uh, there are a handful. There's a cycle of mythics that has it as well.
1: Oh, oh, right. The activated abilities of the, uh, the yeah dominos. The dominos. Good yeah. catch.
0: We also have some might tokens. There are a handful of tokens actually floating around in this set. Might tokens in white. We have rebels and goblins in red. They're just something to keep an eye out on. There are a handful of them. The might tokens in particular are, are pretty unique. Um, they all come in with Toxic 1 and can't block. So more on that in a bit. And then we have uh, the spheres as subtypes for lands. Um, we see a cycle of these as well for the, uh, you know, the spheres of New Phyrexia.
1: Mm-hmm. New Phyrexia lore-wise kind of has this... X layers of hell thing going on where there's all these different layers and there's different colors aligned with them. Some of them are just, I mean, the the top is just like a big trophy display room with monuments everywhere. It's going to be a really, really cool Flavortown episode when we get to dive into this set. There's some sick stuff going on. And the art, oh man, this set has some really compelling artwork.
0: Yeah, sick in probably every form of the word.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: All right, well, that's all really, all the mechanics or little tidbits that you really need to be aware of for this set let's just dive into all the vectors um, or at least the the main vectors for the two color pairs that we'll come across if you're not familiar with what a vector is check out our episodes on vector theory we've done three at this point i think ben keep me honest here but i think we've done Uh, three so far
1: something like that i think yeah
0: i'll put the links to those episodes in particular in the episode description so you can get to those pretty quickly but if you don't know what vector theory is probably start there Uh, that'll help you kind of get along
1: with some of the terminology we're going to use here. Mm -hmm. So I do want to kind of highlight an assumption. This is something new to our our format breakdowns. We're kind of assuming that each of these like two color uncommons, sometimes called signposts, but uh, really for us, we're we're kind of going to make the assumption that these tell us something about the vector of the color pair. Now, sometimes we see that that's not true, right? For example, uh, I think in Dominaria United, we were able to look at the blue-green what, vector uncommons there and blue green wasn't really like a vector unto itself it was kind of it was part of the five color domain vector right so it wasn't saying oh put these in a blue green deck like play these strictly in blue green this is what all the blue and green cards are trying to do uh, it, it was part of something bigger so we can't necessarily say that all two color uh, combo cards are going to be exactly on vector for that color pair but it does tell us a little bit about the set and we can look and see what other cards in its colors play into the implied vector. So, uh, Zach, why don't you start us off with your, your favorite color pair of all time? Yeah. So, first up, we've got white, blue, mighty
0: artifacts. And our signpost, our vector signpost here is Cephalopod Sentry. This is two white, blue for an artifact creature, Phyrexian Squid. Love that. Ew. Un- uncommon, of course. It's a star five. So we don't quite know what its power is just yet. It has flying, and Cephalopod Sentry's power is equal to the number of artifacts you control. Hmm. All right, I mean that's pretty straightforward. This is this card in particular at least cares about having a lot of uh, a lot of artifacts on the board. Notice they're not artifact creatures in particular. This is just artifacts generally. So that's that's also something to keep in mind. But by itself, it's
1: a four mana one five flyer. Are you just going to gloss over the pun that I made in the in the title of this this vector? Mighty no i artifacts. i get it i get it <laughs> this I was leaving a that clearly to the... great combo with mites uh, i mean at, at what point yes. are you happy with this right like a 4 of two five flyer is good you know it's fine i think once you get to three, three five or four five flyer then you're starting to get something nuts if this ever becomes a six five flyer then obviously the game is about to end right your opponent can't take too many hits from this
0: right yeah uh i i would be pretty happy with it at three but anything above
1: that is just really really good. You can look for ways to make multiple artifacts with a single card, right? There's a handful of cards in the set that generate multiple might tokens, uh, but there's also other artifacts that have, you know, good ETB value as well. So,
0: as we move on to each of the vectors that we're going to talk about here, again, this is not to say that these are all the vectors that we'll see in the set. These are just the ones that kind of watsi is pointing us to. So, we're looking at these. We're also going to look through a common and uncommon in each of the two colors that represent this color pair. So, Let's first look at white for this white blue archetype here. The first card we wanted to highlight was Basilica Shepherd. This is three white white for a common. It's a three-three Phyrexian angel. It has flying. And when it ETBs, create two one-one colorless Phyrexian Mite artifact creature tokens with Toxic One and this creature can't block. So that's the only time I'm gonna say that about mites. They every single mite gets toxic one, this creature can't block. Mm-hmm. So here you go. It's five mana, three-three flyer, ETB, make two mites. Now your your cephalopod sentries a three five, and you've got another three three flyer on the board.
1: Yeah, Yikes. sounds good. That's a that's a curve, right? I mean, these mites. I'd like to see how they play out, but I have a feeling they're going to behave a little bit like decayed tokens. Uh, just think about how easy it was to make decayed tokens. They came attached to everything, and they had two power. Right now, having toxic one isn't the same as having two power. But in some decks, it will be, you know, in decks that are super, super focused on uh, just going straight for the toxic damage. There will be ways to make sure you connect with toxic creatures. And I could see that being a very aggressive deck. I think we'll get to that that more when we talk about green, white. Uh, That one's maybe more on like the specific aggro plan. But this kind of ties together the uh, the artifact aspect of the mites. Uh, and the fact that these are just good flyers, right? I mean, a three mana, or a five mana, three three ETB make two bodies. They can't block, which does reduce some of the uh, the power. But it's just a really good rate.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to see where these mites go. I think you're going to need to be in a deck that's really making use of them outside of just trying to chip in for damage. Because unless you can generate a ton of them, they are just one ones. They don't deal damage to with minus one minus one counters like they would if they had infect. And so they're really just one ones in terms of blocking. Uh, when it comes to your opponents blocking them, so I don't see that a lot of these getting through very often, unless you can go really wide. But mm-hmm. they may be able to do things like power up your other creatures, such as the Cephalopod Sentry, and find some value in other ways as well. We'll see that in a few other archetypes down the line. Now, the next card we wanted to look at is Swooping Lookout. This is one just white for a one two for X and constructed uncommon. It's got flying and vigilance and a lot of teeth. Like, all the
1: teeth. <laughs> what a silly card. One mana, one two Flying Vigilance. I mean, huh. It, this is probably also solid in the equipment vector, right? This is going to be solid in a, quite a few decks. But notably, in this
0: deck, it is an artifact creature. So it's a one mm. mana, turn one artifact. Again, with your Cephalopod Sentry, if you can do play artifacts every turn until you play the Cephalopod Sentry, it's going to come down as a 5-5. Five, five.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's if you're only making one a turn. Uh, huh. Yeah, these are... uh. <laughs> these are good this is a good little card maybe maybe there's a chance i don't know there's a bunch of commons and other colors things like two mana one one flying toxic one this really gets in the way of that for just one mana i mean this is as cheap as you can get for an answer to things like that so uh, especially giving it vigilance means it can still kind of peck through those weird little card but uh interested to see how it plays
0: out There is one other uncommon I wanted to mention here because I think it's really perfectly suited for this archetype, and that's Plated Onslaught. This is three white-white for an instant at uncommon. It has affinity for artifacts, so it costs one less for each artifact you control, and it says creatures you control get plus two, plus one until end of turn. Now that's where your mites are going to do some serious damage. Yikes. Yeah, that's a payoff for going wide. That's good. All right, on to blue here, and well, blue in this set just makes me happy. So you're going to (laughs) hear me praising a lot of these cards quite a bit throughout this Format breakdown, but our first card here is Malkator's Watcher. I probably butchered the pronunciation of that, but Malkator's Watcher is one in a blue for a Phyrexian drone. at common. It's a one-one. It has flying, vigilance, and when it dies,
1: draw a card. Oh boy, Hmm. huh? Another little flying vigilance artifact creature. What a what a strange curve that would be. I mean, this sets up a clock, and it does just get it gets to keep smacking in until eventually, I guess, something blocks it, and then you get a card back from it. This just pecks it in the air for as long as you want it to. And then, I mean, they have to block this eventually, right? It's a flyer. It is vigilance. Uh, Yeah, then you just get a card. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this obviously plays well with like sac effects if, if you combine them with the colors. Weird little card. I, I like it, I guess.
0: And our next card here is Trawler Drake. This is two and a blue for Phyrexian Drake at Uncommon. It's got flying. It ETBs with an oil counter on it and it gets plus one, plus one for each oil counter on it, and whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you put an oil counter on it. And the reason I slotted this here is that artifacts are non-creatures. Non-creature artifacts are non-creatures, obviously, so you you can Mm -hmm. slot this in, and it's a flyer that's going to do really well uh, in in these sorts of decks that are really looking to capitalize on flyers. And blue also has quite a bit of a proliferate theme, so you can really do some extra damage with those oil counters if you can just proliferate and you don't have a ton of
1: non-creature artifacts to cast anyway hmm This thing feels like it would get big really quick. Uh, also, it kind of has built-in combat tricks to it. Like, h- how do you block this, right? If they even have a cantrip, um, it just gets an oil counter, it gets bigger. This just takes one or two instant sorcery spells to become pretty big. Uh, plus, with all the pr- proliferate flying around, it could reasonably just take one spell to turn this into a 3-3.
0: Yeah, we have proliferate tacked onto quite a few different cards in this format, and there are a handful of even just like cantrippy type effects that have proliferate on them. So I wouldn't be too surprised to see those kinds of cards really just make this thing kind of skyrocket, to be honest.
1: Next up, we've got blue-black. We're going to call this vector proliferating because this vector is very proliferating. It's, it's not anti-liferating at all. <laughs> so, so we've got Voidwing Hybrid here. It costs blue-black. It's a 2-1. It's a Phyrexian Bat. And it it's flying and toxic one already gross card, but it gets grosser uh, when you proliferate return void wing hybrid from your graveyard to your hand. Oh, yes. Ew.
0: I'm saying and I'm calling it out. Blue black is going to be my favorite form, favorite
1: vector in this archetype. Like just anything you can do in blue black. I'm going to love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, this is a reason to proliferate besides putting counters on things. And that's that's good. Right. So this is a two one flyer for two. If you're playing blue black, you just put this in your deck. It has toxic one. Another reason to just put this in your deck. This is going to start getting into the air. Um, I guess it kills them in the air and with toxic at the same rate. So it doesn't really matter too much there. But the fact that it has toxic, um, I mean, then when you start proliferating, then that'll overtake the, the actual combat damage. Also a 2-1 flyer. I mean, it can't attack through some of those one ones that we just saw that well. Uh, it kind of trades with those, but The fact that you can get it back anytime you proliferate and proliferating is cheap in the set. Yeah, it's a gross card.
0: Yeah, this is going to be really pesky to deal with on turn two and three and four and five and (laughs) six. And it's just going to keep coming back. And you're not really going to be too worried about throwing it in front of things because you can
1: just get it back. Mm -hmm. So our our common in blue here is Gitaxian Anatomist. Uh, This is three and a blue for a two five Phyrexian Wizard. That common. When it enters the battlefield, you may tap it. If you do proliferate, So sometimes uh, this is just going to come down as your format of 2-5. This really gums up the ground. You just can't attack into a 2-5 very easily. Uh, The smaller decks will need combat tricks, and the mites, well, I don't know how they're getting through. <laughs> they're they're going to have to go wider. Uh, but sometimes you will desperately want to proliferate, and this just gives it to you. you. know, Of course, you do not get to block with it for that turn, but hopefully it was worth the cost then. It, especially if it's literal turn four, you're probably not in desperate need of a blocker. And if you are, you just don't proliferate. You just let it come in untapped. Our uncommon here is thrumming bird. This is a reprint. This is a gross one. One of the blue, 1-1, one, one, Phyrexian bird horror. And Uncommon, it is flying, and whenever it deals combat damage to a player, proliferates. Obviously, just a disgusting combo with the uh, the Bat, the void wing Hybrid. If you just curve one into the other, and your opponent doesn't have a flyer or a kill spell, that's a fast clock.
0: Yeah, this feels a little weird in a set full of toxic creatures, because it, it kind of reads like toxic in a way, but this is so much better than toxic if you already have
1: counters anywhere. <laughs> yeah, th- this is going to be... Uh, a glue piece for a lot of decks. Uh, just the ability to proliferate repeatedly, fantastic. Uh, obviously also very good with uh, the bat. With our black cards here, we have a common Blight Belly Rat, one of the black 2-2 Phyrexian Rat. It is Toxic 1, and when it dies, proliferate. Not quite as good as a throwing Bird, but this does do both, right? If this manages to get in one hit and then proliferate, you got two poison counters on your opponent out of this, probably pretty good for little 2-2. You can't ask much more than that, right?
0: Yeah, I, this is just a, a really solid card for the Vector, and it's a 2-mana two 2-2 two, two that has a bunch of upside that does the thing that your Vector wants to do. I, I expect to see a lot of these in the blue-black text because it's just such a nice little filler for,
1: for uh, this Vector. And our black uncommon is Scheming Aspirant, one of the black 1-3 Phyrexian Advisor. Whenever you plur- proliferate, each opponent loses 2-life, and you gain 2-life. Jeez. Imagine curving bird into this. Just <laughs> super oh, yeah. gross. This and, is a yeah. little
0: bit where some of the toxic and proliferation kind of feel at odds with each other because clearly this like actually outpaces pro- like your to- like your poison counters. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It feels a little w- weird in that way. Like you're you're proliferating, so if you're at a, you know you're updating poison counters, you kind of expect to be killing them through poison, but this is killing them with damage as well. So it feels a little weird. I will say this doesn't actually care if you have any counters anywhere, as long as you're proliferating, yeah. you're, you're getting the drain effect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. These, uh, these cards are also all very cheap. These are like right. super impactful cards at basically all the two drop slot, uh, except for the, uh, the, the anatomist.
0: All right. So next up is black, red. There will be blood
1: or oozing oil or, or something. Um, <laughs> uh, you familiar with the movie? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, uh, Anyway, there's a joke in here for for oil and and oil things, but (laughs) um, anywho, uh, on with it. Yeah, so our signpost,
0: our vector signpost here is Charforger. This is one black red for Phyrexian Beast at Uncommon. It's a 2-3. And when Charforger enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 red Phyrexian Goblin creature token. Whenever another creature or artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put an oil counter on Charforger, and then remove three oil counters from Charforger. Exile top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. Hmm all right so if this card is telling us anything it's telling us that you want to play a lot of creatures and it cares a lot about oil counters because this thing wants to generate oil counters so let's take a look at some commons and uncommons we've got in these colors for black this is one i know ben's gonna be a big fan of cutthroat centurion this is two and a black for an artifact creature at common it's a 2-2 for phyrexian warrior it has one ability sacrifice another artifact or creature Cutthroat Centurion gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Activate only once each turn.
1: Oh, they had to put that last <laughs> line of text on there. Come on. Whatever. Mantuco Man, Husky is probably that, too yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. or Zolaport Cutthroat or whatever, yeah. Yeah, so so uh, something that I'm, I'm seeing here, also artifacts on theme, right? There, there's yes. a lot of artifacts in the set that sack themselves, too.
0: Yeah, and we actually will see, uh, it's not highlighted in, in these particular cards that we're covering right now, but there is a card in red that, Care, you know, it lets you destroy an artifact, and then if you control that artifact, you make a one-one. Uh, oh, you
1: make three. Oh, I forgot about oh, that.
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah. So there is some there is some little shenanigans to be had in 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 red and black for those sorts of effects. Our next card here is Chittering Skitterling. Try saying that five times <laughs> fast. Oh, great name! It's two in a black for a Phyrexian Rat at uncommon. It's a one-four, and it has corrupted Sack an artifact or creature. So that's an activated ability, sacrifice an artifact creature, draw a card, then activate only if your opponent's corrupted, has three or more poison counters, and Hmm. only once each turn.
1: Huh. Um, hmm. (laughs) That's, hmm. What was the one from, uh, from a while back? The opportunist, the morbid opportunist? This is looking a lot like that, except this gives you control over when the thing dies. Yeah. And it can also sack one-fooler. itself.
0: It's it's not another creature, so it can sack itself if you ever need to just cash in your, your three mana one four for a card.
1: Yeah. Okay. So this does only happen if your opponent is corrupted. If your opponent is corrupted, this is probably better than the Morbid Opportunist. I'll put my, my flag down now. This could be Mythic Uncommon level. Uh, it depends how easy it is to get your opponent corrupted. Th- this thing would be disgusting once it's online when it's not online it is a three meta one four vanilla (laughs) so it's not even an artifact so um guess it depends if your deck can get there
0: all right on to red our red common here is chimney rabble this is three and a red for phyrexian goblin warrior common it's a three three with haste and when it etbs create a one one red phyrexian goblin creature token love it awesome so yeah i mean turn three char forger into turn four chimney rabble i think is a pretty solid curve there
1: Yeah, helps you go wide, makes two bodies, even gives the the bigger one haste, which is just what you want. I, I like it.
0: And our uncommon here is Cacophony Scamp. This is red for a one-one Phyrexian Goblin Warrior at Uncommon. Lots of Phyrexian Goblin Warriors floating around <laughs> in the set. Whenever Cacophony Scamp deals damage combat damage to a player, you may sacrifice it if you do proliferate. When cacophony scamp dies, it deals damage equal to its power to any target. So we're used to seeing this kind of card, the 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 one one that dies into dealing damage to anything. We haven't seen one that lets it like lets you kill it when you want. Like this sacks itself. So if you ever really need to just get rid of that. You can sack it, and then you're proliferating too, which means you're adding oil counters to creatures and maybe adding poison counters to your opponent or whatever. This just feels really interesting for this set. I think this is going to be a card to frustrate me. <laughs> because this is one that's like, sure, I can block it, but it's still going to die into the thing. And if I don't block it, they get to kill it anyway
1: if they want <laughs> they get to, to, and check, then they're getting yeah. extra value. Hmm. Yeah, annoying little card. Have you heard people talking about how this is going to see play in Hammer Time? That does not surprise me at all but I, ha- I hadn't heard about it, but that sounds perfect. So you of course, yeah. give it plus 10 plus 10 and then they, it hits for 11 unless they jump it, I guess. Uh, it hits for 11. And then you uh, kill them. Yeah. <laughs> and then you sack it to deal 11. Yeah. That sounds really ridiculous. And it's a one mana card. So nice. Let's move on to our red green vector, which we're calling oiled up, uh, <laughs> because there's oil and there's also some big creatures uh, we've got Cinder Slash Ravager here, four red green for a five five Phyrexian Warrior. Is this a Warrior? It looks like it should be a Beast, right? Yeah, or maybe both. I, I don't know. It it's typed as a Warrior though. This spell costs one less to cast for each permanent you control with oil counters on it. It is Vigilance, and when it enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to each creature your opponents control. Hmm, that that's so, expensive, but that's good.
0: This is a great effect. F- to deal with what car- what decks that are going tall typically can't deal with, and that's going wide. When yeah. Your opponent has a ton of mites on the board, and you play this, you just reset the game.
1: <laughs> yeah, thrumming bird is dead. The bat is dead. All those little like things that they're all they'll just they melt to this. Um, that being said, it does cost six. Now it helps you get it a little cheaper if you can play this for four. You're in great shape, right? And the question is, is it going to be reasonable to get two permanents with oil counters on them by turn four? I think so. Uh, there's a lot of things in both green and red that come in with oil counters on them. If this comes in as a 4 mana 5-5 five five vigilance, that's nuts. <laughs> then the, the deal 1 to everything, that's just that's just bonus on top. This obviously also pairs well if you could get it even cheaper. Uh, maybe pair it with a burn spell to take down like a, I don't know, maybe use a this and a deal 3 to take down a 4-4. Four four. So let's talk about sc- Sawblade Scamp. 1 red for a 1-1 Phyrexian Beast. It has haste and whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put an oil counter on Sawblade Scamp. You can tap, remove an oil counter from Sawblade Scamp to have it deal one to each opponent. So this'll go well in in a deck like this with a lot of combat tricks, uh, maybe uh, pump spells, things that affect it. Uh, The fact that it has haste is a nice little upside, which means you can use it right away with a non-creature spell. Uh, So this is obviously very good at putting oil counters on itself. Yeah, this one feels like it could go into either like a red blue non creature
0: oil counter type deck or just a deck that cares about being aggressive and having oil counters on creatures early like red green here Uh, feels like it's going to be able to maximize the use of that oil counter pretty effectively and have quite a few other creatures
1: besides the vector signpost that cares about creatures having oil counters. Mm-hmm. I've noticed there's also a bit of a haste sub theme in red and green. One of these cards, this Magmatic Sprinter, are uncommon for red. It's two and a red, three, two haste to Phyrexian Warrior. This one actually looks like a Phyrexian Warrior. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, put two oil counters on target artifact or creature you control. And then at the beginning of your end step, return Magmatic Sprinter to its owner's hand unless you remove two oil counters from it. Really interesting design. Yeah, so this is kind of like Dash, if you remember Dash from Dragons of
0: Tarkir, where you could pay an alternate cost, the creature would come down, it could attack, and then it came back to your hand after uh, at, at the end of your turn. In this case, Magmatic, Magmatic Sprinter is a 3-mana three 3-2 three with haste which already is just fine in any aggressive deck. But then you can put the oil counters on itself if you want to do that, or put them on a different creature or different artifact. And if you put them on something else, it gets bounced back to your hand at the end of the turn. Yeah. So this is just a repeatable way to put oil counters on anything except itself. And then if you don't have anything else on the board, you can just play this, put the counters on it, and then it sticks around.
1: It's also a 3-2 haste, so each time you do that, if you are putting the oil counters elsewhere, you are just getting to attack. And maybe right. you have another way to put oil counters on it, right? So maybe you have an ECB, you put the oil counters on something else, and then you find another way to put oil on this, and then you still manage to remove the two. Um, now, this is a permanent effect. So if this is just on the battlefield, it does just read at the beginning of your end step, return it to your, its owner's hand unless you remove two oil counters from it. So if you do pay that cost for a turn, You'll get to keep it, but then at the, at the next end step, it will go back. Correct. Yeah, this is something that would come up every single turn. But really I cool feel like design. there are
0: going to be some... Yeah, there are going to be some intricate ways to make this card do some pretty wacky things, I think.
1: Let's talk about Oil Gorger Troll. Uh, it's 3 green green for a 3-4 Phyrexian Troll Warrior uh, at common. When it enters the battlefield, you gain 3 life. Then, if you control a permanent with an oil counter on it, draw a card. Ooh, this is... This is nice. This is like a little Thragtusk draw card effect. Oh, I like it. Oh, and you can flicker it, to, or well, there might be ways to, to bounce it or get it back, or maybe even if you have an Elishnorn, get that double ATV effect. That's pretty gross. There's also Armored scrap gorger, one in the green for a 0-3 Phyrexian Beast at Uncommon. It gets plus three plus oh, as long as it has three or more oil counters on it, huh? And then you can tap to add one mana of any color. It also reads, whenever it becomes tapped, exile target card from a graveyard and put an oil counter on armored scrap This is a really good mana dork.
0: Oh, it's beautiful, right? This is exactly what you want your mana dorks to do. It sits around early, generates mana for you, and then it upgrades itself into a reasonable threat. Yeah. This is I also
1: this. like this is like standard playable graveyard hate, you know? <laughs> like yeah, the, that just takes care of all the nonsense floating around in in standard but with stuff going to the graveyard, the brawler. This is this is good. This is going to see play. Also, I love the uh, flavor text: eat sort, eat
0: sort, eat. <laughs> All right, on to green white here. We're calling this one. Don't you know that you're toxic? It's the
1: dirty spheres. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and well, that's very fitting because our sign, our vector signpost here is slaughter singer.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And Slaughter Singer's Green White so green and white mana for a Phyrexian Cleric and uncommon it's a 2/2 two, two with toxic 2 and whenever another creature you control with toxic attacks get plus plus it gets plus 1/+1 one, plus one until end of turn. Also a weird effect again with toxic like it feels like there's a little bit of a strain between like dealing poison counters and dealing actual damage because this mm. is like giving your creature plus 1/+1 one, plus one doesn't make the toxic any better in this set. But it's a 2 mana 2/2 two, two, with toxic 2 and it buffs your creatures that have toxic sounds fine to me i guess i guess there actually is not necessarily a strain here because what that plus one plus one does is it enables your toxic creatures to be less blockable yeah yeah that's how i'd read it and then they get you know they get through in the deal of toxic damage so uh yeah i guess that's 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 cool i like slaughter singer i think it's going to be pretty effective card here but that's telling us right that green white
1: is looking to be pretty toxic (laughs) (laughs) yeah now unfortunately it is just a two mana two two so this itself gets blanked pretty quickly you almost would rather play a different creature with toxic and then maybe like a two drop with toxic a three drop with toxic and then on turn four you play this and another two drop with toxic that's maybe the best way to use this i almost wish i wonder if they tested this
0: it kind of would have been interesting if this card didn't have toxic at all and instead said other toxic creatures like increase their toxic number by one or something. Mm, yeah. Uh, though that might've gotten really out of hand as we'll see in a little while. Um, our first green card here is Icar spit basilisk. This is two and a green for a one, three for basilisk at common. It has death touch and toxic one. This is the kind of card I want to see toxic on. It's a one, yeah. three with death touch. Yeah. Who wants to block this? <laughs> and then it's the, getting uh, into the toxic damage.
1: What was the guy from Kaldheim, the, the one, three uh, legends, uh, it was the guy that had uh, functionally poison two or oh, whatever it was. It was a guy, two mana, one, three, death touch, poison two functionally. Uh, it was weirdly good. Uh, a very annoying card to see come down on turn two. Yeah. Finn the Fangbearer. That's the one. So the Vasilisk is kind of like a downgraded version of that. Now, Toxic one is a lot worse than Toxic two. It's actually half as good. Maybe maybe even less than that. I don't know. It depends on how you do the math. Uh, but toxic one will still continue to kill your opponent. Uh, the three toughness is nice. This is annoying to block, and it is a good blocker. So just a solid little creature. Uh, this doesn't kill them very fast with damage though. So if you're doing this, you probably really want to be leaning into the the toxic thing.
0: Right. Yeah. This isn't this isn't something that you're really looking to be killing them with with damage. Yeah. If you're if your deck, and I think this actually could potentially make this card a trap. So it's something to look out for. I think a lot of these green white decks will be going pretty wide and trying to just chip in the toxic damage here. So I think in this deck, it's going to work really well. But I think in decks like maybe green red, for instance, the Iker Spit Basilisk is probably going to be a bit of a trap because those decks seem to be wanting to go tall, be really aggressive and, and really mm. chip in, not even chip in, but smack in for damage. Yeah. And yeah. the Basilisk here is not going to
1: help you do that. Well, speaking of big, beefy things that finish games, what's our next card? So our next card here is Paladin of Predation, which, love that name. That's just great.
0: It's 5 green green, so 7 mana for a Phyrexian Knight at Uncommon. It's a 6-7, so f- 7 mana, 6-7. It has Toxic 6, and it can't be blocked by creatures with power 2 or less.
1: Yeah, that's, a. Uh... That's scary.
0: <laughs> so this this effectively reads, attack your opponent, hit your opponent twice, they lose the game. <laughs> by the time it comes down, probably just hit them once. Just once. Yeah, you're right. I am still sad that they haven't officially keyworded this whole can't be blocked by creature's power two or less thing, but this is a pretty solid little beater. And by little, I mean gigantic. Mm. And I think... You know, you pair this with something like we saw in in when we were highlighting red green there with the armored scrap gorger, the, the mana dork there. Yeah, yeah. You can
1: actually power this out pretty quickly, I think. I will say we got word from Mark Rosewater himself that this ability is internally known as daunt. All right. On to white here. And
0: for white, we have flensing raptor. That's... Tough to say somehow. It's two and a white for a 2-2 two, two Phyrexian bird at common. It's got flying. It has toxic one. And when it enters the battlefield, another target creature you control with toxic gets plus one, plus one and gains flying until end of turn. We love these cards. Jeez. These are like usually Pegasuses or Pegasi or whatever yeah. the plural of Pegasuses, where it, it, you know, it essentially jumps your creature into the air for the turn. This one has toxic. It's
1: jumping a toxic creature. Yeah, that feels really good. <laughs> if you're on like six poison counters and your opponent plays one of these you've you're not feeling good <laughs> not at all and that actually makes us pretty effective in the late game it's a three mana card but you're not
0: terribly unhappy to top deck this if you have another toxic creature on the board
1: mm-hmm. great thing to curve into after playing the uh, the vector uncommon though the uh, the Definitely. singer and our next
0: white card here is annex Sentry. this is Two and a white for a one four for Rexian Cleric with uh, at uncommon with toxic one. And when it ETBs, exile target artifact or creature an opponent controls with mana value three or less until annex entry leaves the battlefield. Nice little overing effect here.
1: Yeah, a banisher priest. Uh, This one is a 1-4, so it's going to be tough for a lot of the red decks to kill this. Uh, Ones with unconditional removal or bounce can deal with it. Bounce less so than unconditional kill spells. Notably, it's an artifact creature, so blue-white will also take this pretty highly. But I think, honestly, any white deck will take this pretty highly. I think, honestly, anyone will take this pretty highly and then move into white. This is a great reason to play the color. Yeah, you almost don't even care that it's got toxic, but it is kind of nice that,
0: like, I guess it serves as a potential attacker. You're really never putting this in the red zone, I think, if you have something serious locked down with it, though.
1: Next up, we've got white-black, Corrupted, because it's corrupted to the core. Not my best work. Uh, vivisection Evangelist <laughs> is our vector uncommon here. Three white-black, 4-4 Vigilance. Uh, it's a Frexian Cleric. Uh, it is Corrupted. When Vivisection Evangelist enters the battlefield, if an opponent has three or more poison counters, destroy a target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls. Yikes. Love that's a nice good. ravenous Drupacabra, <laughs> yeah. But this oh, one hits man. planeswalkers too. This this screams obs on mid-range, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. If you can buy this back or flicker it somehow, that's just nuts. Um it's a five out of four for vigilance. The body is fine, but getting this to become a ravenous Drupacabra that's, that's worth getting your opponent corrupted, right? Yeah, I'll say. And it's a 5-mana 4-4 four, four Vigilance. That's just start already just a, a nice creature to have. Yeah, a good medium size. Uh, and I guess if there's anything that's bigger than it, you just uh, kill that thing. <laughs> so um, this is a payoff for being corrupted. And, and in white-black, we're going to see other cards that care about having your opponent get corrupted. So I guess in white-black does not as much proliferate, but specifically, I think this is a great home for those corrupted cards because... As I mentioned before, proliferate doesn't play as well with corrupted as some of the other like counter type mechanics do with each other, uh, because once you have the three, it's all you really need. Like this doesn't get better if you have four or five or six. Um, and at that point, if you've you know spent slots in your deck, getting cards that really, really are all in on proliferating uh, just to make sure you get those three. It's not great. I think you're going to want to find other ways to get them corrupted, other ways that maybe lead to a poison kill in the end, or uh, just kind of lead to killing them with damage or something like that.
0: Yeah, and I think you know when we when we were talking about the mechanics at the beginning of the of the episode, the question when it came to corrupted was, will we see a lot of creatures with toxic that are playable? The answer is yes. We've already seen a ton of them. We're only going to see more. And like, it's not very difficult to find cards to put in your deck that have Toxic on them. And if you can play them early enough, you can chip in and get those three uh, toxic or three poison counters on your opponent relatively quickly.
1: Let's start out here with Duelist of Deep Faith. This is one of the white, 2-2, two, Tephraxian two. Soldier at common. It is Toxic 1, and as long as it's your turn, Duelist of Deep Faith has First Strike. Nice. Yeah,
0: so this is another card, a nice two mana 2-2 two, two that gives your opponents reasons not to block it. Right, And that's kind of what we want to see with Toxic Creatures because, again, they don't leave anything
1: behind in terms of minus one, minus one counters like Infected. So we need a little extra help to get these through the red zone. Mm -hmm. Really uh, efficient combo with combat tricks as well. I mean, they don't want to block this, but when they eventually have to, you just combat trick it up, you keep your creature. Uh, And there's some good tricks in the set, too. Ones that give oil counters. Uh, There's one that exiles the top card of your library and lets you play it until the end of the next turn. Really nice card. We've also got Jawbone Duelist. This is the upgraded version of Duelist of Deep Faith. This is also one of the white. This one's a 1-1. Tephraxian Soldier are uncommon. This also has Toxic 1, but it also has Double Strike. And Double Strike interacts with Toxic very well because it deals first strike damage, uh giving the, the poison counter, and then deals regular damage, giving another poison counter. So this one also obviously plays very well with uh, with pump spells and things like that. This one your opponent will probably try to block a little more aggressively, because you can't take many hits from this at all.
0: Right, yeah, this effectively has Toxic too, but yeah, I mean, you can even have situations if you were able to buff this and give it Trample or something, where you could kill the blocker and still get through and, and get the poison counter on your opponent. There are some shenanigans to be had here, I'm not smart enough or bothered enough to find them, but I feel like there are going to be some crazy shenanigans with this, and I'm probably going to lose to this card.
1: Uh, notably, these both uh, pair really well with equipment, right? Because the first strike and then the double strike. Uh, also, about the Jawbone Duelist, we have to address an elephant in the room. Since when did Elish Norn love teeth so much?
0: Yeah, I don't know what the deal is <laughs> with all the teeth. Like, I get the sinew, and I get the bones, and I guess and teeth porcelain. are bones, but like...
1: yeah. Yeah, I don't. I just, I don't remember seeing it in other Phyrexian stuff in the past. Maybe because Ellis Norn is only now coming into her own and like having her own like sanctum and basically whole plane dedicated to worshiping her. So maybe now she's really gotten to break out her, uh, (laughs) her, her her weirder hobbies and everyone that now that she's in charge, everyone kind of has to play along with it. And she's like, yes, you're all going to be my supplicants. You're all going to bow before me. And they're like, Yes we worship you, Elish Norm. And then now check goes, out my
0: teeth collection. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> you also have to wear tooth armor now. And then they start looking at each other and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah you got I, it. Norm.
0: <laughs> I'm picturing like, you know, like game of Thrones style, you know, soldiers are sitting around a campfire on the road and they're just like, yeah, you know, I thought Elish Norm was just so cool, but then, she kept going on about
1: teeth. And I, <laughs> I, don't know how I, I don't
0: know how I feel about wearing teeth all the time. This guy uh, likes it, though. Yeah. Jawbone duelist. His flavor text is, I have room for a few more teeth in my collection. Who's next?
1: And look at that smile. This guy's absolutely pumped to be wearing what appears to be a literal giant jawbone. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the black cards in this, uh, in this vector. Pestilent Siphoner. One of the black 1-1 one, one Flying Phyrexian Insect. Uh, I mentioned flying. Toxic 1. Toxic one, flying, one, 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 toxic one, flying. Uh, good card. It's a little a little mosquito guy. So I guess the joke here is that a one, one flyer for two will get outclassed pretty quickly, but hopefully you get those first three poison counters in and then you don't really care anymore, right? Because then right. all your other cards get turned online and are, are really worth it.
0: Again, this is a vector that doesn't really care at least this form of the vector that we're talking about, there may be a different direction you can take this vector in where you kill with poison counters, but this one really just cares about getting corrupted. So, you know, if you can chip in with those toxic, get in a couple of poison counters in your opponent, then the Pestilence siphoner did its job.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if you're going to have black-white decks that are super just poison kill focused, uh, and then maybe some black-white decks that'll be more directed towards just getting the three and then relying on the powered-up uh, corrupted cards to get the rest of the way there. But then again, I guess the powered up crafted cards are also really good in the kill with poison deck because you know you get them sooner. I don't know, an interesting tension here. Last up here in, in black, we've got Ravenous Necro Titan. Sick name. Uh, it's two black black for a six six, huh? Phyrexian Horror, 4 mana 6 6 and Uncommon, it is Corrupted. When Ravenous Necrotitan enters the battlefield, sacrifice a creature unless an opponent has three or more poison counters. Uh So here's one thing you don't want to do. You don't want to play this as the only creature on board on your side. Unless your opponent's Corrupted. Yeah, unless they're Corrupted. Uh, this plays well with a few things. Um Sometimes you just won't care about sacking a mite. Sometimes you just won't care about sacking a little 1-1 that's already done its job, like Maybe something like Pestilent Siphoner, right? The little flyer. or Maybe the uh, the the, uh, the Watcher, right? From before, the 1-1 one, one flyer that uh, actually kind of wants to get sacrificed. And like I said, mites will just be floating around in this format functionally for free. Uh, but then again, if you can corrupt your opponent, then this is just a 4-mana 6-6. Six, six. Nice. It's a good, good rate. But clearly, this doesn't care about killing them with poison. This cares about killing them on the ground. It's a 6-6 six, six for 4, right? So yeah. uh, this one is very definitively in the vector. Just get a few poison counters on them, get exactly three, and then start investing a lot of resources into a huge board.
0: All right, next up, and Ben's actually going to make me say this, next up is Black Green, and we're calling this one, Are You Winning Poison?
1: Because <laughs> it cares about winning with poison. Son? Poison? Poison. That hurt me. We got really... to get through these, these breakdowns somehow. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, our, our vector signpost for this one is amazing. It's Necrogen Rot Priest, also just a, an incredible name. Yeah. Two black green for the Phyrexian Zombie Cleric. Phyrexian Zombies. I, I don't like the sound of that. It's a 1 5 at uncommon. It has toxic two. Whenever a creature you control with toxic deals combat damage to a player, that player gets an additional poison counter. Well, there's my add one to your toxic <laughs> effect. Yep. But we're not done yet because it also has an activated ability of one black green target creature you control with toxic gains death touch until end of turn. Oh, my God. (laughs)
1: Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. I don't think I ever pass this card unless I'm firmly not in green black. So something like a four mana one five doesn't look great right off the bat. But all of this stuff easily makes up for that. So uh, this isn't whenever another creature you control deals exactly. with toxic. It's itself, too. So this is more like a 4-mana 3-5, right? If you're trying to kill with poison, which this vector clearly is, right? This wants to get the poison kill. Because and then it you can just, give itself death touch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, the, the threat of activation on this is enormous. How do you block this?
0: <laughs> like, not only this, but any other creature that they send in the red zone. Like... If you have even just a little bit of mana up, you can give whatever they block
1: death touch. (laughs) As long as it's got toxic, but in green and black, it seems like that's going to be a lot of stuff, right? Uh, This will also very reliably turn on corrupted. So corrupted cards are like good in this type of deck. I don't know. That's what makes me think. Maybe maybe there's not as much tension there as I'm thinking between cards that really want to get all the way there and cards that just want to corrupt.
0: I don't know. Well, this will Uh, get your opponent corrupted on its
1: own. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. This does just one hit corrupt them, doesn't it?
0: yikes yep. so uh first up we're we're going back to pestle and siphoner here for the black cards this little insect is it's a toxic creature it's going to have toxic two with that signpost uh, vector signpost there so yeah that's pretty crazy and as a flyer again getting in just random chip damage and it's relatively inexpensive but in the uncommon slot we have bilious skull dweller or bilius i guess it's Bilius well, skull dweller it's black for a one one with death touch and toxic one hmm. efficient yep yeah, anything with Death Touch and Toxic, I'm just loving in this format.
1: Yeah, that, that's a good rate. Uh, I could see just this Death Touch, Toxic, just just close out the game way faster than it has any right to type of deck. Uh, man, maybe Black Green finally found like a good identity. Well,
0: speaking of Death Touch and Toxic Creatures, in green we've got Iker Spit Basilisk. We've talked about this one earlier. This is the one 3 for 3 with Death Touch and Toxic 1. Again, just going to do really good work here. I think this is probably the home for this card. Um, while it fits into some of the other decks, I think this is really the one that wants to see it. And then we have a combat trick. Infectious Bite. This is 1 in a green for an instant uncommon. It says target creature you control deals damage equal to its power. to target creature you don't control. A typical fight spell, but... rather a, a bite spell. But... Each opponent also gets a poison counter. Now, <laughs> and it's I want an to, and it's an instant. I want to also express: we've seen a handful of cards already. We've talked about a few that that have this phrase on them. But Ben, you and I are going to two at a giant. I do want to stress: this says each opponent, and in two out a giant, your opponents have uh, you have to get them to a total of fifteen. Poison counters to kill them instead of 10. Mm -hmm. But this
1: puts two of them on your opponents, so... That means it's proportionately better in Two-Headed Giant than it is in in normal. Yep. So, um, another just little side note here. It is the creature that's dealing the damage. Really good combo with Death Touchers. Yep. Uh,
0: And, of course, obviously, with a lot of these uh, toxic creatures we've seen, they have relatively low power. Not going to be awesome there, but,
1: yeah, to your point, the Death Touchers... Are going to do just fine next up we've got green blue we've got proliferation nation because we've got some stuff here that wants to proliferate Uh, we've got tainted observer as our vector card here one green blue for a two three flying it's a phyrexian bird in what world
0: is that a bird That is not a
1: bird (laughs) come on (laughs) like i know phyrexia is messed up but that that that's not a bird that looks more like a squid than that other phyrexian squid from earlier yeah Anyway, it's a 2-3 flyer for 3. Just fine rate by itself. It's got Toxic 1. Uh, and then whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay 2. If you do, proliferate. Nice.
0: Yeah, so this kind of tells me, I guess this vector cares about toxic creatures as well. Obviously, it's doing kind of both the toxic and proliferate thing, which we've seen a lot of toxic in green. We've seen a lot of proliferate in blue. That kind of makes sense but what it's also telling me is that you want to be playing inexpensive stuff or somehow have ways to ramp because you have mm-hmm. to tack two on to everything to do the proliferate here and so i'm thinking how do i how do i get cheap stuff how do i either lower the cost of the th- creatures that i'm casting or ramp into them
1: yeah i see this toxic one as a nod to you hit with this once uh, and then you get that first poison counter and then you just start like playing stuff, proliferating up, uh, maybe getting that that poison kill uh, over time. I mean, blue green is known for being able to ramp up control of the, the board pretty well. Uh, I also see this as a good way to make use of mana in the late game. Right. So if you're ramping, if you're drawing cards, making all of your land drops, uh, then when you top deck that three, three for three uh, on turn six, you have, well, this thing to activate as well, and you play it, you proliferate, you give them another poison counter, maybe you put an oil counter on something, or uh, there's some weird like artifacts in the set that seem like build-arounds of, of vectors entirely under themselves, and maybe you get to activate one of those. Uh, nice little card here, nice little package.
0: Yeah, and I, I think this is sort of the vector opposite of white-black, right? The white-black deck seems to really care more about getting those three poison counters on, getting corrupted, and then just really doesn't care what you do after that. This seems to just want to get one or maybe two on and then use proliferate to skyrocket through the end of the game.
1: Right. So here's an example of a card that would be good with that. Rustvine Cultivator. It's green for a 1-2 Phyrexian Elf Druid. You can tap it to put an oil counter on Rustvine Cultivator, or you can tap it, remove an oil counter from Rustvine Cultivator, untap target land. Interesting. So this does only tap for colors of mana that you have available. Uh, This isn't like a tap for any color, but this is nice because it does just put oil counters on itself. If you have a way to make good use of that, maybe, uh, something that cares about the number of oil counters on a creature. Uh, You you can have this thing just keep tapping forever. Uh, Or you can use this to proliferate, right? Usually, if you have no ways to proliferate, you would need to take uh, every other turn off, right? You would tap this on, say you play this on turn one. You tap this on turn two uh, to get the counter. And then on turn three, you can use this to untap a land, play a four drop ahead of schedule. Uh, But then you have to take another turn off to put another counter on it. Unless somewhere in between putting the first oil counter on and then spending it you're able to proliferate.
0: Yeah. I think actually in a lot of ways, this, this looks like a mana dork or like a land of war elves or something similar. I think you're really not going to be using this to ramp until probably turn four or five, maybe six, because Mm. in a lot of games, I think this deck is really going to want to get that one oil counter on and not use it until you have the ability to proliferate and essentially just leave one counter on it at, at basically all times. Um, to get extra value from your proliferate creatures. But there may be some versions of the deck that that need the extra ramp early or you don't hit your land drops or whatever and you have the flexibility to
1: then use that counter if you want to. Speaking of green one drops that have to do with proliferating and counters, uh, there's Evolving Adaptive. Hmm. This feels keyworded and almost entitled like some things we've seen before. Uh, it's one green for a zero zero for Phyrexian Warrior at Uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, uh, it comes in with an oil counter on it it gets plus one, plus one for each oil counter on it. So off the bat, it's a 1-1. One, one. And then whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, if that creature has a greater power or toughness than Evolving Adaptive, put an oil counter on Evolving Adaptive. Uh, so nice. Uh, whenever you you know play this on turn one, it's going to be pretty hard for your two-drop to not immediately put another counter on this, giving you a one-mana two-two, right?
0: Yeah, and the thing is, typically we see this type of card because, to your point, this is something... I mean, we haven't seen this exact card before, but we've seen similar cards in the past. And those those cards are typically not printed in a set with proliferate. So this also has the added benefit of, you know, sometimes the awkward the awkward play patterns with those cards is that you play it. And then at some point it stops scaling because your creatures are no longer bigger than it. Or you draw it late and then it can't grow because you've played all your big creatures or whatever. Right, yeah. This
1: kind of doesn't have that problem because you can just proliferate through all those issues. In blue here, <laughs> there's a there's a vehicle I wanna talk about. Not too many in the set, but there's Meldweb Strider. This is four in a blue for a 5-5 five, five vehicle with Vigilance. It enters the battlefield with an oil counter on it. You can remove an oil counter from Meldweb Strider to turn it into an artifact creature until end the turn, or you can crew three. I don't know if this is a good card, <laughs> but I think if it's gonna have a home, it would probably be in blue-green specifically, uh, because if this is a five-mana 5-5 five, five Vigilance, just all the time. That's the kind of card blue doesn't get too often. That could be a a solid finisher for a blue deck, but it's only that if you have infinite oil counters on it or enough ways to keep proliferating to make it functionally able to crew itself until the end of the game. So you really do want to be able to to proliferate or put other oil counters on this somehow uh, to actually make it worth its while. And I guess the backup option, green has some beefy creatures. You should be able to crew this for three. Uh, But then again, putting vigilance on a vehicle It's not the best combo because you're still having to tap down something to crew it each time uh, on both the attack and the block. So if you do have uh, enough like oil counters and the ability to proliferate, maybe something like Thrumming Bird is a great combo with this, getting to proliferate every turn. Uh, The vigilance is also a little bit negated by the fact that you have to remove an oil counter for both the attacking and the blocking. But it's one of those threat of activation things where if it has an oil counter on it, I mean, they functionally have to treat it like it's a 5-5. And if they don't attack into it, You don't have to spend the oil.
0: Yeah, it does feel weird to see Vigilance on a vehicle like this, but I suppose that maybe is an indicator. I mean, this is a common, so it may not be an indicator, but it could be an indicator as to how easy it's going to be to proliferate and get those oil counters stacking up.
1: We've also got Watchful Blister Zoa. Four blue, blue, four, four, Phyrexian, Jellyfish. It's an uncommon. It has flying because, of course, it does. When it enters the battlefield, uh, it enters the battlefield with an oil counter on it. When it dies, draw cards equal to the number of oil counters on it. So this one doesn't give you any other onroads to putting more counters. This basically can only get proliferated up, right?
0: Yeah. Or put in a deck that has creatures that, you know, something like that, uh, magmatic sprinter that can throw counters on other creatures. But yeah, I think this is the deck where you're going to see this card most often. And I, I think it's going to be really good. Like a six Hmm. mana four, four flyer that draws at minimum one card when it dies but likely yeah. he's going to draw more than that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you either have to uh, kill it, in which case uh, you get to draw the cards from it, or die to it, in which case the game is over and it doesn't really matter how many <laughs> cards <Yeah>. you draw. <laughs> this either closes the game or draws you the cards you need to close the game. But it is six mana. It might be slow. Six is a lot. Sometimes six yeah. mana four four flyers get outclassed uh, just because of the pace of Modern Limited. But if this is a format sona enough for this to be cast and you don't just die immediately, uh, it'll obviously be good.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm thinking of a lot of cards. We've seen a lot of cards with um, you know, X2s, X3s, X4s, some of the bigger green and blue creatures that we've seen that that kind of sit around, even some of those toxic creatures we were talking about in the last archetype, they can they can slow things down quite a bit and stem the bleeding on on quite a few different things. So I don't know. I'm excited to see if I can eke out a win with the blister Zoa here. No,
1: I'm sure you are. This is a very on-brand card for you.
0: Next up, we've got Blue Red Oil Slick. This is Kind of signposted by Serum Core Chimera. It's pretty common to see these blue-red signposts as, as chimeras. Anyway, Serum Core Chimera is a two blue-red 2-4 for Xing Chimera at uncommon. It has flying. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put an oil counter on it, and then remove three oil counters from Serum Core Chimera to draw a card. Then you may discard a, a non-land. When you discard a card this way, it deals three damage. Uh, Serum Core Chimera deals three damage to target creature or Planeswalker. Activate only as a sorcery. There's a lot going on there. So you you cast non-creature spells, very red, blue. Then you can remove three oil counters from it, and you draw a card. That just happens. Then you can choose to discard a non-land, and when you do, it bolts a creature or a Planeswalker. (laughs) It doesn't even have to be the card you drew. No, any any non land card. This is
1: good. <laughs> and it's also a
0: may. Like you don't have to discard anything.
1: Yeah, honestly, we would probably be giving this a pretty decent grade if it was just a just a two four flyer that gets oil counters, right? Just because in blue and red, there's ways to use those. Uh, but this this secondary ability, that's really really good. It's a huge block of text, but it spells put this in every blue red deck basically now this
0: doesn't etb to put a counter on itself so proliferating isn't exactly where you're starting off you do need to get spells cast although most spells that will proliferate are going to put a counter on this anyway um so you know there's that as well but it doesn't need to be with a, with an oil counter so you do need to do a little bit of extra work to get it to uh to get to that point i mean at what point are you happy like are you happy activating this never like do you put this in your deck if you can never actually activate it
1: Probably but not. What if you just don't have enough non-creature spells? I feel like blue and red will. I mean, I think you could have some really slick, get it? Oil slick. Oh some really slick blue red decks full of cantrips and and uh, just ways to chain into more incident sorcery spells. There's a there's a common 5 mana draw 3 in the set. Like that can that refill your hand. It also does proliferate. That is obviously great with this. It's, it, it casts the spell and proliferates. So any spell that is both a, an instant or sorcery, well, I guess any non-creature, any non-creature spell that also proliferates immediately would put two counters on this because when you cast the spell, this trigger would go on the stack. It would get the counter before the spell's proliferate ability resolves. So this just gets two counters on it from any of those proliferate spells.
0: Speaking of those proliferate spells... In blue, we've got Experimental Augury. This is one in a blue for an instant at common. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand. The rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Proliferate. That's nuts. Anticipate needed <laughs> extra help. Yeah, that's just crazy. That This is another one at two mana that's going to do exactly what you just described that five mana card would do with the Serum Core Chimera. Put the counter on it, proliferate, give it another counter, and you're doing the cantropy thing. This is exactly what I feel red-blue decks want to be doing, and that signpost works really well with this type of effect as well.
1: Plus, the augury helps you find the next instant or sorcery spell, or non-creature in any way, to get that last counter, and then you start drawing, and then you win the game. It's it's a good card.
0: Next up, we've got Atmosphere Surgeon. This is one and a blue for a Phyrexian Wizard at Uncommon. It's a 2-1. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put an oil counter on it, so... Very similar to our signpost. And it has an activated ability of remove and oil counter. So just one. From Atmosphere Surgeon, target creature gains flying until end of turn. Activate only as a sorcery. That's not once per turn, though. Nope. (laughs) And it's only one oil counter. So again, you cast Experimental Augury. This thing gets an oil counter. It proliferates. It gets another oil counter. Suddenly, with one card, you can now just give two of your creatures flying. That feels like it can get really out of hand.
1: Yeah, I mean, eventually this just becomes jump your entire board, kill your opponent, right? I mean, it takes time. Yeah. The, the, even the 2-4, right? It's a 2-4 flyer. You're not hitting with like Toxic or anything in, in this vector. Uh, it's going to take like normal damage. You're going to have to control the board a little bit and uh, pop off with spells. But if you can buy all that time, you get some really powerful late game payoffs.
0: I could see this slotting pretty well into the blue-white vector as well in a, in a more spells-heavy mm-hmm. version of that deck where you can make a bunch of mites.
1: <laughs> and oh and just send them, them. flying <laughs> yeah <that's funny. laughs>
0: in red we see free from flesh this is that's also difficult to say geez <laughs> this is just red mana one single red mana for an instant at common put tar uh tar creature gets plus two plus two until end of turn put two oil counters on it
1: okay great yeah so uh fun fact this just gives you all three of those oil counters instantly for, for the vector signpost yep <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: crazy, yeah, and it's buffing it to a 4-6 at at the same time, so... Or, well, Mm -hmm. anything else, because you can... I guess this only puts the oil counters on the creature that you're buffing, so there is that to keep in mind, but... Next up, we have Churning Reservoir. This is red for an artifact at Uncommon. At the beginning of your upkeep, put an oil counter on another target non-token artifact or creature you control. Okay, kind of weird. And then has an activated ability of two tap... Create a 1-1 red Phyrexian Goblin creature token. Activate only if an oil counter was removed from a permanent you controlled this turn or a permanent with an oil counter on it was put into a graveyard this turn. So
1: strange. This card is so weird. This is clearly an engine, though. And if if you want oil on your stuff, this thing is just dripping with oil, right? So if you want to have these cards that have activated abilities where you need to remove some amount of oil from them in order to activate it, This will just keep putting the oil back on. Uh, And then sometimes when you do activate those abilities, you can then tap to just make a creature, uh, a goblin. Maybe there'll even be ways to, I think, what is it, the black-red one? Whenever your artifact creatures die, it gets oil on it. Uh, Nice little combo with this.
0: Definitely, yeah. There is a nice engine here. I think it's going to take a little bit of work, but a lot of these creatures that when you cast a non-creature spell get oil counters um, will... kind of give you ways to renew those this will give you another way to renew those and obviously if if you can remove them from those cards then yeah you can build
1: a little army in a can here our last vector to discuss here is red white which i've deemed poorly equipped because every time we get equipment as a limited vector it just doesn't always work uh, there's also a bit of irony here in that, uh, lore-wise, the thing that's allowing the Mirrodins to actually fight the Frexians a little bit better is something called Hexgold. So they're actually pretty rich, uh, but I still think they might be poorly equipped. All right, it's getting late. <laughs> Let's power through this one. So we've got Bladehold War Whip. It's uh, one red-white. For an equipment, it has Fermiridin and when this equipment on his battlefield, make a 2-2, blah, blah, blah. It's uh, uncommon. So uh, it says equip abilities you activate of other equipment cost one less to activate, and equipped creature has double strike. It has equip three red-white. So this functionally comes in as a 2-2 double strike that makes your other equipment uh, cheaper to activate. Hmm, nice.
0: Yeah. It's pretty effective. It's pretty expensive to re-equip though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's where the trade-off comes in, right? I mean, you do get this thing that just leaves double strike laying around though. I mean, you just stick this on a four, four, right? And you got a four, four double strike. Uh, if you have this just kind of sticking around, I don't know. Like, is this a reason to side in an artifact or enchantment hate answer? Like this is a pretty solid thing to just have your, your biggest thing, uh, with double strike.
0: I think it is. But for a different reason as well. This isn't templated equipped creature has equip abilities you activate. Of other, this thing just has that ability.
1: Mm, yeah. So this so, actually plays really well with multiple equipment, which isn't always common, right? One of the drawbacks of equipment, uh, they tend to be expensive to re-equip and limited, right? So maybe you only get to re-equip like one or, or another one. Uh, this is also going to mess with the, I guess, like creature versus uh, artifact and equipment count in some of the decks like you might seem like you have less creatures than you actually do but in reality a lot of them will be for mirrored in equipment should mention uh this obviously pairs really well with toxic yeah and this one in particular i just love that that effect is is
0: static like this is an equipment that can that is still doing something when it's not equipped to a creature so you do have that extra added added little benefit from this card in particular
1: Now, there is one thing I'm worried about. This doesn't overlap with the proliferating counters oil at all, which means it's kind of on its own and it's going to be difficult for this uh, vector to adjust within the format. Uh, It's kind of going to be up to us to see if it's good at all compared to the oil proliferating stuff to do, or if it just doesn't really compete with all the counter stuff. So, for example, blade graft aspirant. It's two in a red for a two three. It's a Frexian warrior, a common with menace. Equipment spells you cast cost one less to cast, and activated abilities of equipment you control that target blade graft aspirant cost one less to activate. That's really nice. It cheapens everything. It cheapens the cost and the equip cost. But this doesn't play well with anything else in the set it's 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 insular it's only stuff that has to do with equipment that this plays well with so i think when the deck is open it'll be extremely obvious but then you might also have like i don't know people fighting over all the good proliferate stuff Uh, i think when this deck is open it's you're gonna get like all the good stuff for it that you want because no one else will want it they'll be fighting over stuff like thrumming bird whereas i mean you'll be able to wheel any of the equipment that you want
0: yeah, I wonder how easy it's going to be for a draft to support more than one white-red drafter, though. Because again, to your point, these cards are only wanted by that one drafter, or potentially two drafters, or whatever. And I don't, yeah, I don't know. It, I think two will probably still be supported, but any more than two people is probably going to get tight because there aren't there aren't very many cards that can fit into this vector.
1: That said, three mana, two three menace is just good without any other text. Yeah, it's pretty solid. And then if you can stick some equipment on it for cheaper, then that's even better. Next up, Hexgold Halberd. One and a red equipment for Mirrodin. Uh, As long as it's your turn, equipped creature has first strike and trample, and it has equipped two and a red. So two mana, two, two, first strike, trample on your turn, uh, and then you can re-equip this. That's nice. I like it. Again, giving first strike is is a, a good way to make sure you get through, but... I don't know. I almost wish you could put this on something with Toxic instead. Notably, unlike with uh, Living Weapon, where if you unequipped your equipment to put it on something else, the zero, zero germ that it made would just die. These two twos, they stick around. So you don't have to leave it on this two two. You could just cast this and then immediately re equip it to something else, like a three three.
0: Yeah. I think it's also worth mentioning, too, like this, this card in particular, but I think we're seeing this with uh, this vector in general. It's pretty aggressive, right? These, this, this ability is only caring about. Your turn, which feels kind of weird, but this is a vector that wants to be hitting the red zone pretty effectively.
1: Next up, we've got Leon Lightbringer. This is two and a white for a 3 2 Cat Rebel at common. It has Ward 2. And as long as lean in Lightbringer is equipped, it gets plus one, plus one. So I really like Ward 2 on this. One of the biggest issues with equipment type vectors is that you spend all this mana to re-equip an equipment to a creature, and then you're like, oh man, are they going to kill the creature out from under me? And they usually do. And then you lose the game. Uh, Ward 2 makes it much, much harder to get blown out while trying to equip this, and means that usually... As long as it's able to safely attack, you will get a few hits in with this. Uh, so then this would get four. This would be a four three, and then also get whatever benefits the equipment gets. So for example, with the hex gold halberd, this would be a four three uh, first strike trample. That's that's pretty effective attacking wise. You can't really block that ever. Yeah, definitely. Astute listeners may
0: also realize this is the first card we've mentioned today. That doesn't have the Phyrexian subtype. <laughs> the first creature. <laughs> oh, wow. There are about only <laughs> about 10
1: non-Phyrexian creatures in the set. That's funny. Uh, it's not looking good for the non-Phyrexians, we'll say that. Last year, we've got Hexgold Hover Wings. Three and a white. It's an equipment. It's got fermiridin. And equipped creature has flying. It also says creatures you control that are equipped get plus one, plus oh. Nice. Uh, and then it has equipped for two and a white. So this comes in as a, uh, a three, two uh, flying. If you play something for Mirrodin on turn two and then something for Mirrodin on turn three, it gives this plus one, plus O oh benefit to your entire board. And that, that's going to pair pretty well with these effects that we've seen so far, right? Buffing power even more or buffing a first striker or something like that. Uh, and then of course, giving this equipped creature flying, uh, that's, that's just pretty good. It's going to be able to chip in for a bunch. And then re-equipping for just three this means that you could maybe suit up something like a mite, but it doesn't look like this color combo really wants to do toxic stuff. Maybe maybe the toxic deck, something like uh, Blue-White, would even play the Hover Wings just as a way of chipping in its last few points of damage.
0: Yeah, I think it's... When I first read this card, I was a little bit lower on it than I think I should be, and that was because reading that line, Creatures You Control That Are Equipped, makes me think, ah, I've got to spend all this extra mana to equip my creatures. When in reality... A lot of the equipment in the set, I think all the equipment in the set, are for Mirrodin cards. And so they're coming into the, they're entering the battlefield with creatures and already being attached to them. So the first time around, at least, not a whole lot of extra mana to be spending on that.
1: Mm-hmm. Just about all the equipment are, I think there's one or two for Phyrexian equipment too. So there's some colorless junk to talk about first, right? Before we get into our top commons. Yeah, so
0: first up here, we've got Dross Skull Bomb. This is one just generic mana for an artifact at common. It has the ability of one Sacket to draw a card or pay two and black Sacket. Return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Draw a card. Activate only as a sorcery. All right, there's some decent card advantage. We've seen Skull Bombs in the past, but this looks pretty good.
1: Yeah, uh, each color has one. They all do something that you'd expect. The green one pumps, the red one puts oil, that type of thing. Uh, they're all costed pretty similarly. And they also all kind of cycle, right? Uh, these effects, they're pretty good. Uh, they can cycle for really cheap or you can pay a little bit more uh, and actually get the colored effect. You don't actually need to be in the color to, to activate the cycling ones. So if you're in black red and you're just looking for artifacts that you can cast and then send them to the graveyard right away to get, I don't know, random death triggers, uh, you can just play any colors of the spell bombs. Uh, but they're all, they're all pretty solid oh uh, yeah let me let me correct we haven't seen skull bombs before but we have seen the spell bombs yeah oh, yeah yeah there's also prophetic prism we've seen this card before two mana artifact when it enters the battlefield draw a card and it has one tap at a mana of any color so we get this uh this one-off filtering effect
0: nice yep another reprint pretty happy to see cards like this i think i mean this one doesn't ramp you but it does fix you so that's fine and it replaces itself Next up is Mere Custodian. I've seen some people online arguing about this card. This is three generic for a 2-3 mirror at common. When Mere Custodian enters the battlefield, scry two, then each opponent may
1: scry one. Of course, Ben's got to love a card like this. <laughs> this is as close as I'm going to get to a uh, symmetrical card draw effect in this format, I think. I don't know if there's anything else like this. Um, this one's not actually good. Because yeah. the, 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 the body that you're getting here, just a 3 mana 2-3 with no oil, no equipment, no proliferating, nothing. All you're getting is ETV scry. I don't even think if I had Ellisnort, I would play this. Actually. <laughs> 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 let, let, let me get back to you on that one. Uh no. I, before I'm Ben comes in two weeks from now
0: <laughs> saying, All right, so hear me out. Mirror Custodian is the best card in the format. It's
1: like I have like I have I had an Ellis and I play like three of these or something like that. No. Um I, I don't think this one's worth it because yeah, you get a bigger benefit than your opponent, but the actual body is just such such garbage. <laughs> that yeah. There's not really a reason to play this. Um, this would be your like 25th best card. Uh, maybe if your draft went really poorly, this will be your like 20th best creature. You definitely don't want this in your deck.
0: Okay, moving on to some colorless stuff in terms of lands. We do have Terramorphic Expanse in this format, which is uh, essentially an evolving wilds. Um, so you can tap sack it to search the library for basic land, put it on the battlefield tapped, and then shuffle your deck. Now we also have the Fair Basilica, and these are the, the spheres we talked about before. There's one for each color, and so we've got a cycle of them here. The Fair Basilica enters the battlefield tapped. Uh, it is land with the subtype of sphere. They're at, at common. Uh, tap to add white for this one in particular. And then it has an
1: activated ability of
0: one white tap, sacket
1: to draw a card. That's good. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's really good. Uh, that's worth having your land come in tapped. Now you can't play 10 of these and expect to win all the time, right? But this would be a decently high pick. I, I like this effect. Uh, just getting to turn one of your excess lands into a card in the late game. If your opponent has two of these, and you have none, and you're about parity on board, you're looking at those like, man, if I don't kill my opponent, they're going to get to start cashing those in. Sure, maybe they top deck lands, but it's still helping to dig them deeper into the late game. So if your deck is trying to get into the later game and, and is able to pay, maybe play a slightly more defensive, slower game plan, uh, you can make good use of these. If you're trying to play a lot of 1 and 2 drops, then you probably don't want to play too many of these, though.
0: Yeah, I love these effects. I mean, we've seen a few of these, like, at ETB tap lands that have an ability to draw like you can draw a card off them later love them i think that it's just a great little thing to add on to a a basic land basically Mm
1: -hmm. and a common too speaking of commons let's get on to our top commons for each color starting with white we've got planar disruption Uh, this is one of the white it's an aura enchant artifact creature or planeswalker Uh, enchanted permanent can't attack or block and its activated abilities can't be activated man this is the best pacifism ever i mean it hits artifacts creatures this kills planeswalkers like that that's really good or stops them anyway yeah definitely yeah uh these are in no particular order by the way it's hard to predict exactly where those will shake out but that one's definitely high on my list next up is charge of the mites uh two and a white instant you choose one you get a modal spell at common here charge of the mites deals damage equal to the number of creatures you control the target creature or planeswalker uh or create two one one colorless phyrexian Mite artifact creature tokens with toxic one and blah 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 uh You gotta be careful in the late game. If you full swing, your opponent has a card in hand and you're at eight poison, you might wanna rethink that. I mean, they just functionally flash in two mites swing and kill you. Uh, This is an instant speed way to create two artifacts at the same time, two uh, creatures with poison at the same time. Uh, And it's also just a kill spell. If you don't have enough creatures, you play them as the mites. If you do have tons of creatures, this is a three mana deal four, deal five, deal six. It scales really well with the game. Uh, I I like this card a lot.
0: It really bothers me that these things have human teeth.
1: (laughs) Why are they not getting all the teeth?
0: I don't know, but it bothers me.
1: (laughs) Elishnorn's real goal for conquering the multiverse is to just gather teeth from everywhere. Last up, we've got the Flensing Raptor. We mentioned it before. That's the three mana, two, two flyer with toxic one, and it jumps another toxic creature for the turn. Uh, This just feels like a disgusting thing to see on turn three, or a disgusting thing to see on turn 10. And, you know, can't ask much more out of your commons than that. I just thought of a really terrible joke. What would happen if, if Dak
0: Faden, you know what, what they would call Dak Faden's card if he got completed?
1: No. What? Dak,
0: Dak Faden, greatest teeth in the multiverse. Oh my, oh my God. I'm so
1: glad they killed him off. <laughs> so they <can't> do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to our blue top commons here. Our first one here is mesmerizing dose. This is one blue blue for an enchantment aura a common. Enchant creature. When Mesmerizing Dose enters the battlefield, tap Enchanted Creature, then Proliferate. Enchanted Creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. Yeah. Yeah. Blue removal with Proliferate. Yeah, it doesn't get get much better than that. And it's really not at any extra cost, too. I think we typically see this effect at three mana. Sometimes we see it at four. Yeah. Next up is Experimental Augury. We talked about this one earlier. This is one and a blue for an instant at common. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Proliferate. you're not catching on yet uh, blue likes to proliferate and our third card here is malkator's watcher one in a blue for a one one artifact creature phyrexine drone with flying
1: vigilance and when it dies draw a card that's just going to be great i think you're going to put that in literally every blue deck it's a nice cheap vector piece you can sack it in black you can ship it in the air with an artifact in white yeah it's good let's talk about black's top commons we've got annihilating glare uh, this is a single black mana for a sorcery as an additional cost to cast the spell, pay for or sacrifice an artifact or creature, destroy target creature or planeswalker. That is an unconditional kill spell for five mana or one mana. You just have to sack a thing and there will be artifacts and creatures to sack, whether it's mites or uh, little things that you can get back when you proliferate or little things like that little uh, Malkator's watcher that actually kind of want to get sacrificed to draw a card off of really efficient kill spell. There's also anoint with affliction, one in a black, instant. Exile target creature if it has mana value three or less. That would just be really, really good by itself, but it gets better. Exile that creature instead if its controller has three or more poison counters. Strange wording, but this basically means you can use it at any time to exile a thing with uh, mana value three or less. For two, which is great. Uh, and then once your opponent is corrupted, you can just use this as a two-mana exile anything. That is nuts. That is stupidly good. One of the most efficient and well-costed kill spells we've seen in a while. That's well worth getting your opponent corrupted for.
0: And it's a common.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, how are you going to get your opponent corrupted, you may ask? How about Stinging Hivemaster? Three mana, two and a tuna black, for a 3-2 Frexian Warlock. It itself has Toxic 1, and then when it dies, create a 1-1 might with Toxic 1. I mean, these three mana, two bodies, uh, whether they, they come in at the same time or when one dies, these tend to be pretty solid, and this one, even both bodies have the uh, Toxic mechanic. So this is a good way to get your opponent poisoned.
0: All right, for red, as we're used to seeing, we're going to have a couple of a couple more removal spells. Our first up here is Hex Gold Splash. This is red for an instant at common. It deals two damage to target creature, and if that creature has toxic, it deals four damage to that creature instead. Hmm. That seems pretty solid. We saw a couple of toxic creatures with four toughness, and I think this is going to be basically the only way red can deal with them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doesn't kill the black-green one. That one conveniently has five toughness.
0: Next up, we've got Volt Charge. This is two in red for an instant common. Volt Charge deals three damage to any target. Proliferate. Yikes. I- and lastly, we have Chimney Rabble. This is the three in, a, three in a red, three, three Phyrexian Goblin Warrior with haste. And when it ETBs, you make a one, one red Phyrexian Goblin.
1: Maybe a safe prediction, but I mean, making two bodies, giving one of them haste. I, I feel like this is just what red is going to want to do. Let's talk about green's top comments. I've got some spicy picks for us here. I've got Tyrnax Atrocity. This is three green green for a four, four Phyrexian Dinosaur. Look at that thing, man. Have you seen Primal? Mm-mm. Oh, it's by uh, Gandhi Tartakovsky. Uh, great, great director. He made like the old Clone Wars series, Dexter's Lab, uh, Samurai Jack, a lot of classics. Uh, there's an episode where uh, it's, it's about like a caveman and a dinosaur. Historical inaccuracies aside, it's a fantastic show. Awesome direction, awesome art style, awesome animation. Uh, there's also a dinosaur that looks something like this in, in one of them. <laughs> uh, this thing is a nightmare. It is a 4-4 haste with Toxic 3 for five mana. Yeah. I think there's going to be a red green deck that just every creature is has haste. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is fast. And uh, this poisons your opponent very fast. I mean, toxic three and four power that, that scales pretty well. This is going to be tough to block. The fact that it's a little understated for five mana is made up for the, by the fact that it has haste, right? If your opponent has played their four drop, it's not super likely their four drop will be able to trade for this. Now, if they've played their five drop already, maybe this gets a little worse. Maybe you're supposed to side this out if you're on the on the uh, on the draw. But overall, just I, I like this card a lot. I want to try it out. I'm excited to try this card out. We'll say that
0: this is also one to keep in mind if you are sitting at around like six or seven poison counters and your opponent has green mana. Ye- yeah, leave up some this blockers.
1: <laughs> this reminds me a little bit of charging Monstrosaur. It's not quite yeah. as good, obviously. It doesn't have the trample, but just a big beefy Haster, this can just kill people. All right, I've got to zoom in for our next card. This is Contagious Vorak. This is tuna green for a 3-3 Phyrexian Boar Beast. All right, get ready. When it enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a land from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. If you didn't put a card into your hand this way, proliferate.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's so, basically a lot of text that says this is a three-three-for-three three three that lets you grab a land from the top four or proliferate.
1: Yeah, and it gives you the choice. It, it, you don't. You're not forced to, right? Um, yeah. You don't reveal them either. You just look at them. So three-three-for-three uh, three three, that draws you a card. I mean, is it a uh, uh, draws you a land? Oh yeah. Well, it's still a card. I mean, is it a pack mate? kind of it doesn't have the cast for two ability but i don't know four mana three three draw a card that's pretty good and then sometimes in a pinch you will just i don't know your opponent will be at nine poison and you just top deck this and you just kill them yeah Uh, there's also ruthless predation one of the green for a sorcery target creature you control gets plus one plus two until end of turn. it fights target creature you don't control i know we just saw this (laughs) in epic confrontation but uh it's a good fight spell you know
0: Yep. Well, that about does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. I mean, that the set was looking fun. I am a little nervous that too many vectors feel the same or very similar. So I'm hoping that in practice, they actually differentiate themselves from each other. They all kind of feel like about the same deck to me, except red, white right now. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Slightly different. So it almost feels like there's just like one wide scoping vector that has like, you know, if you change the direction a little bit, you're getting various differences between them but otherwise everything's just toxic and proliferate and i guess that's fine we'll see how it plays out i hope it doesn't get boring too quickly but um that may mean that some of the like build arounds or like the the rares and mythics that we haven't covered here uh, are going to make a big difference in terms of making the format feel different and have any longevity but we'll see how that goes going forward if you're not already in the discord definitely check that out it's the best place to be chat with us. And as a new set's coming out, we love to see everybody's experience with the new set at the beginning of of a format. Uh, Also, pre-release is coming up um, if you're listening to this around release. So good luck with your pre-release. And uh, we'd love to see your deck lists in the Discord there as well. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Again, huge thanks to everybody who supports us over there. That does it for us. We'll catch you next week.
1: All right. It's gotten pretty late for us recording this, so I want to do a quick sign off. Uh, it's a very important day today. It's, uh, it's, it's one of my favorite national days, actually. Any idea what it is? Not without typing some things into Google. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It has to do with what I'm drinking right now. But I can only see your mug and not the liquid in it. Yeah, I actually drank it all already, so you can't tell. Uh, it's actually National Hot Chocolate Day. Okay. Well, my
0: uh, guess was going to be national hot toddy day. So I kind of got there.
1: (laughs) You think I drank during a set review without inviting you? Come on. Fair enough. (laughs) So, uh, no, it's actually national hot chocolate day. So I will say, uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a hot chocolate snob, a bit of a connoisseur. Uh, I've tried out a bunch of different milks for it. I've got some fancy ones. The one that I had just now was one that you, it's like a Belgian chocolate that you, you mix in, uh, to the the hot milk by itself. My personal go-to is oat milk. Uh, not just because I'm lactose intolerant. I think it's just pretty good. <laughs> and uh, I, I will say I've also been using up slowly my my candy cane collection that I still have from the holidays around here. Uh, I think it's a, a crime to not melt a candy cane into your hot chocolate. Uh, and then if you really want to go for some upgrades, uh, you can add some Baileys or something along those lines, um, whipped cream on top, uh, chocolate syrup, marshmallows if you're into them, but I don't love marshmallows. I think they're a little, a little gross. I don't know cancel me for that one. Marshmallows are disgusting, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, no, the the true, uh, the the, the true ultimate hot chocolate I think has all the fixings on it, uh, except marshmallows.
0: All right. All right. I can get behind that. I agree with you on the peppermint, by the way. Um, I don't know that it's a crime to, to always, or to never, how do I word this? There are times when it's correct to not put peppermint in, and that is when you're putting peanut butter in it. Peanut
1: butter. Oh my oh, God. Yeah. About. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Talking about peanut butter and hot chocolate is the bomb. That's like drinking a Reese's cup.
1: Uh-huh. Okay. I know you were on about peanut butter last week on our sign-off, but <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it to make a call back today. That's... Dude, I
0: have a terrible obsession with peanut butter. And by terrible I mean amazing. But uh yeah, I I love peanut butter.
1: All right, you know what? I'll try it. I'll get back to you. I'll let you know my thoughts. Maybe next week's sign-off.
0: All right. The trick with putting peanut butter in any hot beverage, by the way, is that it doesn't emulsify properly. If you just, that's like what
1: quit. I'm thinking. <laughs> it just, just it gets kind of stringy.
0: So you may want to get like, uh, something like PB fit, which is like a peanut butter powder Huh. that would mix in a lot better. Uh, but you get the same flavor. So, or you can melt the peanut butter first, like heat it up first so that it gets more liquidy and then you put it in.